Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Freight Me Moving All Things Logistics with me, Jewel Williams. I am here today to talk about who's in, who's liable? Who's liable? The carrier or the shipper? So let me read a question. The question is posed to the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. And the question is, does the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration have authority to enforce the safe loading requirements against a shipper that is not the motor carrier? The answer, no, unless it is hazmat as defined in 172.101 are involved. It is the responsibility of the motor carrier and the driver to ensure that any cargo aboard a vehicle is properly loaded and secured. So let's get into this conversation. Sometimes when drivers pull up to the dock, they may not be allowed on the dock. The trailer could have been preloaded prior to the driver getting there. There's many things that a driver does not have control of when they get loaded. So why would a driver be responsible at the end of the day? Because the driver is the one that's going to be moving it. And the driver does need to make sure that that freight is secure. So let me tell you a little story. I've, as most of you know, I drove for quite some time. And one of the places that I used to pick up all the time was Budweiser. And there were a couple locations. One particularly that I pulled out of was in Florida. And I had to take a load all the way to Massachusetts. And it was not fun at all. Okay, so of course, going up 95, and it seemed like it would be a straight shot and flat land, but you all know there's a lot of traffic between Florida and Massachusetts. Uh, lots of road construction. I mean, I think I-95 has been under road construction since the day it was made. And there's a lot of hills once you get to Massachusetts, especially towards the final destination part. So one of the requirements with Budweiser, when you get to Budweiser, first off, you can't even go in unless you have full tanks, meaning your fuel tanks have got to be full. And the reason for this is that they want to make sure that the freight that they load onto your truck does not exceed weight limits. So to make sure that is possible, weight limits includes your weight of your fuel. So they would require you have full tanks before you go in. And at that location, I recall there were several uh, fuel stations like your pilots, your TAs, your loves. Those are some of your top three fueling stations for truckers. And I recall that location had several of those fueled up. Then when you go into the gate, you weigh your truck. So you're empty. But what Budweiser wants to know is how much weight your truck is empty. And one of the rules that when I when I first got started, one of the rules that my trainer taught me was to always 
have your truck, have the base weight of your truck. So I knew how much my truck weighed, if it was empty, if it was full, because I had weighed those things um, prior to that. But anyway, they weigh your truck. So they give you the weight and they know that each vehicle, even though they may be made the same, they, they weigh differently. And so, because some engines are heavier than others, parts, components, um, some of them have uh, added accessories onto their vehicles and that all that stuff counts for weight. Even the passengers in your vehicle contribute to the weight. And so they weigh you, you get your weight and then they give you a door. So when you go in, you get your door, they load you up. Now they do a good job as far as making sure you're not overweight. Yet sometimes, um, there was a couple of times when I did pull for them, my trailer was overweight before I left the premises, but they turn you right back around and they make sure that that trailer is underweight or at the right weight. So when you're leaving, you get the option to uh, move your tandem. So for a driver, they can, on a trailer, they can slide the back wheels forward or back to shift the weight. And you want to have a balance of your weight between your steers, which is at the front of the tr truck. So those are your, your first set of tires. Then you have your drive tires, which are the back wheels of your tractor. And then you have the weight that's on the rears of the trailer because the trailer only has wheels in the far back and those slide back and forth when you pull this pin and you can move the trailer back and forth. So I would always make sure that my weight was adjusted properly right there at the scales. It was a perfect because most companies, once they load you, you have to go to what's called a cat scale and get your truck weighed. So you, and you have to pay for that. And every re-weigh, you have to pay for. So you get a weigh, like I think the last time I weighed, it was like $8, but I think that's gone up since, since then. I think it's probably around 10, maybe even 12 now, who knows? And each additional re-weigh, it was like a dollar, and that's probably gone up to two or $3. But what it does is it tells you how much weight is on your steers, how much weight is on your drives, and how much weight is on your axles. And this way, you can make sure you're in compliance with DOT regulations in regards to your trailer. Most trailers can only weigh up to 80,000 pounds. That's it. Now, you saying that's it? it? It adds up quick, and so you got to be very careful to make sure that you don't exceed that limit. Now, I know right now there's some things going on that they're allowing some stuff to go through due to the shortage. But my point of this is, you know, it was my responsibility as the driver to make sure I gave the shipper the correct information about my vehicle, making sure that they, when I rolled in there, my fuel tanks were full, so that way they could load the maximum amount of weight without having to worry about um, any issues if I needed to refuel. And before I left, 
I took advantage of getting my truck weighed, getting my tandems in the right position so that my wheels were not, or excuse me, so that the weight was not uh, distributed incorrectly. Now, the other thing that Budweiser required was load locks. And load locks are bars, load bars. Uh, they can ex- extract to the length of the trailer so that it makes sure that the freight stays in place. Some use straps, but most over-the-road trailers use load locks. And that's because if you are working for a company and you're not always in the same trailer, a lot of times you'll get a trailer that only has wooden panels. And so there's nothing to connect that strap to. And therefore a load lock, how it works is through a pressure. And once you get the load lock to the extent extension that you need, then you push the lever in and it basically pushes against the walls of the trailer and then it locks, makes sure the lock, the load stays in place. Now, that works great if they load the load correctly. Um, most of the time, the Budweiser loads were loaded all the way to the rear of the trailer, so there wasn't much shifting that, that could happen. But I have taken loads where it didn't take up the full trailer, and so you run the risk of that moving, that shifting, that that load rocking back and forth, side to side, and it breaking loose that load lock. So you definitely want to make sure you've secured that load to make sure that you cover if it moves left, right, or front to back. Because that's how your trailer's going to rock and roll. I know a lot of people think, well, I'm just going forward, so I don't need to worry about that. Yet liquids move in a circular motion. And I have carried items where that liquid constantly is moving and swishing in the back. And it's just pushing and pushing and pushing until it breaks loose the the load locks or the straps. Now straps were a lot better for me because you can tighten those straps down and, and get that slack so taut that it wouldn't break away. So I say all this because, just like this says, the carrier has the control to make sure that freight is secure. So today, what I wanted to talk about was a claim. Now, when I got to my destination for that shipment of Budweiser beers. Um, And Budweiser's not sponsoring this. I'm just using them as an example. When I got to the destination, I had to wait outside the gate because several drivers before me had gotten there and all of their bottles had been busted. I don't understand how that happened if they blocked and braced. But it can happen if it's not blocked and braced properly. And so that created a claim process. So I'm going to pat myself on the back because I was the only driver that made it there safely. 
and there was not one bottle of beer busted, not even a dribble on my trailer floor. Why? Because I travel slowly and I don't like damages and I don't want nobody accusing me of damaging their freight. And so there you go. And that is what nest it's that blocking and bracing and me taking the time to make sure that I secured that load each and every time. There each and every time. If I loaded that trailer and I locked those doors, that load was was locked. So who's responsible and how how do shippers make sure they did what they were supposed to do and how do carriers say they did what they're supposed to do? So two things which negate or or don't apply for carrier responsibility is an act of God and the act from the shipper. So acts of God, hurricanes, snowstorms, those type of things, if their freight gets damaged due to those acts of God and the carrier can prove that they did not have any negligence, then shippers have to make that claim with the insurance company. However, if that freight was not blocked and braced and there were no straps, then the carrier definitely is going to have to prove that they did everything in their power to make sure that that freight was secure. So I got this article right here to kind of help me, help guide me. This is coming from, drum roll please, trucking shipping, or excuse me, truckload shipping uh, website. And it, the title is Carrier Liability Versus Cargo Insurance, Know What's Covered. So I highlighted a couple things such as a carrier is a, um, we all know what a carrier is, but the carrier liability refers to the level at which a freight carrier is responsible for damages, losses, or delays in a shipment. Yes, carriers can even get a claim against being uh, the, sh- the shipment being delayed. Now, I don't know how much weight that holds due to traffic jams and road construction and accidents. I do know it says here that if the carrier was pulled over by law enforcement, there's nothing the shipper can do. They cannot file a claim against that. Uh, if they were put out of service even, they, they didn't really have any percu- pre, uh, repercussions for those type of things. So you're definitely going to have to evaluate the situation. Now, most carriers, or excuse me, most shippers I have seen will take pictures of the item once it gets on the floor of the the trailer. They'll say, hey, I got to take a picture of this. And really what they're doing is making a snapshot of this is what it looked like when it left our dock. I've seen that mostly with LTL shipments. And that's because LTL shipments are touched more than once. You have the pickup where they pick up the freight, they take it to the transload dock so it has to be touched again. They load it onto another truck, touched again. And sometimes it's transloaded a second time at a different dock. 
it, it may transload three or four times before it actually gets to the shipper. And sometimes when LTL carriers cannot get that shipment routed immediately due to whether the lane is full. For example, there was a, when I worked with my previous company, there were times we had embargoes in certain locations. And the purpose of that was one or two locations may have had a backlog due to some events that were going on in their area. And so the company put what's called an embargo on moving freight to that destination. And we would stage the freight at our location here in Georgia. So that way, and when the embargo was lifted, we could move the freight down there. So when something like that happens, that freight gets pushed into a trailer that is like a storage place. And there may be times that freight has to be pulled out because something is behind it that they need. And then they push that freight back in. I mean, it could be touched two and three or four times. So the more times that freight is touched, the more times there are for damages. And that's where something like this would come in to place. Because with all that touching, and then it gets to the final destination, and there's this window of where was the freight? Well, it was in your possession between Monday and Friday of this week, and it left your, it left your dock you know, on Saturday, but then didn't get to us until Monday. Well, you've basically had this freight for seven days and then you, you know, it left its one destination looking intact and now you bring it to me with a broken pallet. The packaging is all bent up and ripped off. Uh, the boxes are crushed. I mean, it's obvious that the carrier damaged the freight in transit. So what happens with that? Who are you going to get your money back? Well, according to this article, you will, but not to what you think you will. So the standard in the industry, when carriers bring cargo and it is proven that the cargo is damaged by the carrier, liability coverage payout is based not on the value of cargo, but on its weight. So if something only weighs 100 pounds, according to this, payout value is 50 cents per pound. That's it, 50 cents per pound. And then there is a legal liability limit, um, which is always less than the actual cost, according to the article. So, and I have seen customers go through this. I have seen customers think, what they charged, you know, online, for, for, for example. The customer had some freight, they sold it online, we picked it up. Then it transports, by the time it got to the destination, it was destroyed. The item had, the box was torn, there were items missing out of the box, and it, it was a very nice table. 
And of course, the customer would have had to assemble the table. Well, they paid quite a bit of money for that table. And the shipper thought they were going to get at least what they paid for it at wholesale. And they didn't. The weight of the item was less than 100 pounds, but they rounded it up to 100 pounds, and all he got was $50. That's it, 50 bucks. So now, where did he go wrong, or where, where could he have improved the situation? Well, first, he didn't have the item on a pallet because of its size. And my recommendation to him, put it on a pallet next time and keep it on the pallet and strap it to the pallet. Because when forklift drivers are going into the trailer, a lot of times their forks are already on the ground or at a certain level. And if they go into that trailer and that item is not on a pallet, but yet it's sitting down, it's laying down on the floor, they're gonna try to scoop it underneath it and a lot of times, an inexperienced forklift driver, or even an experienced forklift driver in a rush, punctures the box because they can't get under it in the way that they thought they could. And so if you have it on a pallet, they can get underneath with the forks of the pallet, lift it up, move it out. So when the claims are made or when, when the investigation is done as I've seen, and as this article highlights, what happens is they look at what did the shipper do to ensure that the package and items could make it to the destination. And one of those things is looking at, how did you package it? If you didn't put it on a pallet, yet you knew it was traveling through a system that pallet freight is best, then you've put yourself at a disadvantage. And the only people I really don't, like UPS and your FedExes, your DHLs, those type of partial uh, shippers, or excuse me, carriers, they, they are good with, you know, handling hand stuff. So unless it goes to their conveyor belt and gets thrown onto their trucks, yet when you're going through like a full truckload or LTL type of carrier, then you want to make sure that you are putting the right packaging and palletizing it and shrink wrapping it. Shrink wrapping is another thing that people don't think about and you wanna cut corners. You cannot cut corners when you're in transportation logistics and you're doing shipping because there's too many things that can happen with that freight for many reasons. So all in all, it's not a cut dry, it's carrier's fault versus shipper's fault. What really has to happen is that for carriers, you got to protect your investment, which is your business, your truck. You don't want anybody making any claims against your insurance policy in regards to damages. So you want to make sure you've covered yourself as best you can I, now that I have my phone, I used to take pictures all the time when people would load stuff onto my truck. And if I saw that there were some tears and rips and, and whatnot, I definitely took a picture of it. 
because I wanted to make sure it was known that when it got on my truck, it was not in the best condition to begin with. So don't attempt to apply a liability when it wasn't loaded or it wasn't um, packaged well. And then every shipment, you know, I never took a chance that something couldn't move. And I would tell, I would have customers tell me, oh, don't even worry about that. That's not going to move. I don't listen to those people because they don't drive. They're not drivers. They are, they, they're stationary, you know, yes, they know their job, but they don't understand how the motion of that truck moves. And as carriers, you're the professional, you need to know. And if you're a broker and you're listening to this, ask your carriers that you're working with, do they have straps? Do they have load locks? And do they understand the importance of blocking and bracing? And you don't have to be rude about it. Just say, hey, just make sure you want to remind you this is going to be some pretty, you know, this freight needs to be blocked and braced. And uh, if you don't have anything, you know, you might want to go get something. Because you don't want, as a broker, you don't want anybody coming back to you and filing a claim against your bond or your insurance. Even though we don't have to carry insurance, we do have a bond. And that is mostly for non-payment. Yet, you just want to CYA. Make sure it's all covered all the way around. So, cover your cover your butt. Make sure you're blocking and bracing. Make sure you're checking the freight after it's loaded. Most most times you're going to you're going to see it because you have to close your doors and they usually pop a seal on that bad baby. But don't be afraid to get up in the truck and say, "Hey, before you seal that, I want to get up in there and I want to make sure this is strapped in right." Don't always trust that the shipper knows how to load. A lot of times, shippers got new forklift drivers. They don't understand how to load. I have seen shipments where they've loaded everything on one side because they thought, oh, that's the way I'm supposed to do it. No, balance it out. Weight has to be balanced. So make sure the weight is balanced on both sides. Make sure that if it's too tall, you definitely have a straps or load locks. And if it's not coming all the way back and there's room for that, freight to shift put your straps on so one last thing to note also is the federal motor carrier safety association and or excuse me administration has the minimum number of tie downs rule so if you didn't know it says there must be one tie down for articles five feet or less in length and 1,000 pounds or less in weight, and two tie downs if the article is five feet or less in length, and more than 1,000 feet in, or 1,000 pounds in weight, or greater than five feet but less than 10 feet, regardless of the weight. So, in other words, you have to make sure you've got tie downs based on how many feet of freight that you have and, and what that freight is. Now, I know in the state of Georgia, uh, going through the way stations, I was told by the officer who inspected my truck, there should be a strap for every 10 feet of trailer. So if you're in a 53 footer, you need five straps. I was in a 38 footer. I needed no less than three straps. And 
he was good with me only because most of the freight was leveled to uh, below the uh, the height of I think three feet, and so he didn't penalize me, but he did say, "You want to make sure you have your straps because we can inspect for those." So those are just some tips and tricks for you guys out there who this is the season for liability claims because we're getting into winter and a lot of you are going to be driving in snow. There's a snowstorm coming in on the northeast and I have driven through those mountains and ice and it is not pretty. So I also would suggest if it is if you think it's unsafe drivers, don't get on the road. Don't get on the road. Tell your dispatcher, I'm waiting till the sun come up and then I'm going to drive. That's the best bet. All right, peace and love, everybody. And if you're in an 18-wheeler or a four-wheeler, slow your roll, pump the brakes, be kind, get off the phone, stop fiddling, keep your eyes on the road, because I need you to be home safe. We got one week. One week from today is a Thanksgiving, but we're going to have some turkey or some ham. And for all you vegans, all the vegetables you can eat. All right, peace and love, everybody. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Yeah.